0: To send the Thunder home, Lillard, long range three. And it's good! And the We What a, ball. a play! Up to the left! James! Curry, way down top! Bang! Bang!
1: Oh, what a shot from Curry! Gets off to Leonard, defended by Simmons.
0: Is this the dagger? Oh! oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to podcast number 84 of the Swing Round podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Jules St. Ledger, joined as I am all the time by Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard. Um, I don't really know where to go with this one, chaps, really, because, I mean, we're, we're right in the mix of the, of the conference finals. Um, I don't really know what series I want to start off, Just, just for your listening benefit. We're recording this before Game Six, is it? Of Clippers, uh, it is Clippers Game Stums. Six. Yep. Um, and obviously, last night we just saw the the Hawks bring back the series again, make it two all, beat the Bucks uh, without Trey Young, and the Bucks also without Giannis, pretty much for the majority of the game. Um, See, so yeah, I don't really know where you want to go with this one.
1: Let's just start with the East. Why not? It doesn't really matter. which As, you can, as you can tell, we haven't discussed this prior. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, but you started talking about it a little bit, so we might as well kick off for the East.
0: I mean, it, we mentioned this as well on the on the podcast before, and I, I said that sort of God forbidding and not putting it in the universe, if Yannis goes down, what happens in this series? I also didn't say what happens if Trey Young goes down. So um, it's two all I'd, at the minute. I'm going to have to about the Hawks, I think, even without Trey Young, because they've got that
1: spirit and they've got a coach that knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Unfortunately, as you say, the list of all stars getting injured goes on. And I, I don't know how serious the Yanis injury is. I don't know how much has been said about it, to be honest. I don't think anything really has. But especially someone of Yanis's size and for how much he moves for his size, then it obviously is a worry if he goes down with any injury. But. He still managed to play 24 minutes last game. And even when he went down, you'd think, you obviously didn't think at the time, because the Hawks were leading basically throughout the entire thing, you would think that the Bucks would be able to, with at least that many minutes, get a home against a Trey Young-less Hawks. However, that wasn't the case. And the two things that stuck out to me personally were, one, actually, we'll go three. <laughs> One, that Hawks team is a real unit. Like it's a real squad. You know how you have sometimes you've got teams where it's just a group of individuals playing together and they figure it out, and then you've got a team with a great coach that you can tell there's a great bond within the team and they all know their roles and what they've got to do. I feel like that's very much what the Hulks are, and obviously Nate McMillan's coaching them very well. And I know you'll probably have a few things to say about might have been hoser george
0: i mean he's just like hopeless and clueless when it comes to this stage i think like it, it, i don't know for a player's point of view because obviously they've been with him he's just the epitome of a regular season coach when it comes down to these crunch time and adjustments are made if if what he does in the in the regular season doesn't work he's stuck I, like i i genuinely mm. can't see what they do in their meetings beforehand because I've not seen them run a play where I'm like, oh damn, that that was good, or anything that was somewhat creative to get around, just a the the Hawks are a good team. Don't get me wrong, right? But just an average set of defensive plays nullifies this Bucks team. Unless they can give the ball to Yanis and he can just do a madness with it. Like, th- this is literally it. He's got Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, who right Drew Holiday isn't, but Chris Middleton's an all star. And then he's got very nice shooters around him and a few other nice key like role players. And yet he comes up stuck so often in playoff times of this team.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh,
0: it's
1: an interesting one.
2: I think as well. Yeah, I, I think Bootenhall does come into some pretty just criticism because obviously we're taking into account his past, his previous um, export, shall we say. Um, I think the sort of, can, not comparison, but point you made there is he is a very much regular season success coach. You can He can sort of set a philosophy maybe, or like a style of play that just grinds out wins, regardless of who they play in the regular season. But when you have time to plan against it, early it can come his game plan can come undone quite easily. Um obviously Yannis going down it's a big miss there. Um and if I had to say you know these two teams without their best player I'd probably pick the Hawks actually. I think as an overall unit that's a better team. Maybe you could say Chris Millson that's the is the best player on, on those two teams but I don't think it's a noticeable enough gap as to you know really put it in the Bucks' favour. I think when the Hawks are firing all Cinders, they're maybe the best offensive team in the league, or if not the up there. So, yeah, if it's going to be Yanis out for the rest of the series and Budenhoes is, you know, stuck as it is making adjustments, I'm not sure how he's going to adjust for the lack of, you know, one of the top five players in the league, which is unfortunate. You know, I can't really blame him too much for that, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, it is what it is. The injuries have just really dictated this playoffs and it's it's going to be a weird winner when we look back at it either way because it's just going to be like a default, really.
1: Yeah. it's um, uh, What I was going to get onto as well when I was talking about the, few, the main takeaways I took from the game, the coaching gap, let's say, and the difference in how the teams looked as a unit. And the third one for me was going to be Chris Middleton just looking at himself because there's times when I see him and I think he's a really he's a fantastic player like he can help he can really be that second player with Yanis to get these lot to even say the finals let's say barring that bloody Brooklyn team when he's fully healthy but there's other times. When I look at him and I think you are playing pretty badly, <laughs> you, like, I, don't, I don't know if you could be a second option and get a team to the body Chris,
0: Chris Middleton might be the streakiest
1: player in NBA. Yeah, he's, like, un- he's unbelievably t- hot. Today he's
0: cold. Tomorrow he's heating up, and then he's just chucking up bricks and going zero and seven in a game. Like yeah. the, the, the stuff like that is what I don't understand from him, and it's like. When Jan, like he's done it before, when Yanis has not played great or he's not even been there, he's yeah, shown that up. he can yeah. step up. So he's got it, but he just doesn't do it every night, which there to me yeah. like, I I can't think of genuinely anybody more streaky than him. Because it's not like he's just done it for this playoffs. He did it last year, he did it the year before. The thing that was like I found quite impressive one. Madness to see that that was Lou Williams' first ever playoff start game. Like he's ever started ever a, play- a playoff game. I couldn't really get my head around that. I think he's played like, I can't remember how many he played. I've got 47 in my head, but I don't think that's correct. But, um, and then also just when you look at sort of the Hawks and their like strength in depth of having now Cam Reddish is back, Galinari's not even playing 20 minutes at this minute. And like Gallinari's a very good player. There's like, there's levels to it at the minute now with with the Hawks and the Bucks and it's quite surprising is what I'd say. Um, But I mentioned it last week and I've still got the same vibe. I I just feel that this Hawks team are a bit like that Raptors team with Kawhi and they have that sort of spirit of that Mm. like they're, they're the underdogs in every series they've played but they've played very well in all of them.
2: It's also like a I think, like, a youthful confidence, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, we don't really have anything to lose here. This is our first time in the playoffs. No one expected this. If we get through, we get through. I mean, obviously, there's a slight weight of expectation, but no one would have predicted the Atlanta Hawks to get into the NBA Finals before yeah. the season starts. Some people didn't even think they'd get into the playoffs. At, what, at some stages of the season, it looked like they weren't going to. So, mm. I think they yeah. have a little bit of that about them. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, going back to the Middleton thing that I was saying before, because I didn't want to make this point quickly. I will say sometimes, I wouldn't say I feel sorry for him, because I'm not going to feel sorry for a Well, it, it, when it's strictly basketball and NBA player, that's just, you know, earning a ton of money. lots not of money. <laughs> but yeah, but sometimes I do think, and it comes back to the coaching thing, when I watch the Bucks play, Middleton kind of gets into a situation where it's like, all right, there's the ball, do something with it. I feel like the agency is completely on him to do something. And obviously, if you're the second best player on the team and then Yanis goes down, you do have to have some agency about yourself. But it would be nice yeah. to see, I don't know, some actual plays being drawn up for him because it doesn't feel like there ever is. I
2: would say the same about Drew, who has been a lot more disappointing than Middleton, don't get me wrong. Um, even defensively, I thought he didn't play hard and very well last series. And I don't think he really done. I mean, they brought him there to clamp down cards, and we were like, oh, is there any really many guards he needs to clamp down if he's going to get through the East? And so he's had James Harden, Kyrie, Lou Will, Trey Young. I don't think he's really done what they brought him in for in that regard. And obviously, offensively, he's just like a complete no-show at the minute. Um, I don't like saying that because I like him as a player, but mm. he's going to need to step up if Yanis ain't there. Um, I think and Giannis we...
0: is done in this series. The way I he's agree. been extended, there's no way he's going to be rushed back. They don't even let him play half an hour in regular season, so there's no way they're going to rush him back for this. Yeah, yeah but it's will... a different
1: scenario, isn't it? No, I it well. is.
0: It will be the easiest run for an NBA final or for a, for a chip that they're ever probably going to get. So.
1: Talking about Lou Will, obviously he's not Trey Young. He doesn't have anywhere near the playmaking ability that Trey Young has. But with Trey out, you can slot Luwu into that and he will give you a decent level of scoring you can kind of work with it whereas if Yanis is out he's such a unique player and they the system is so much around him that you can't really just put someone in who could maybe do a bit of the job like you you just have you can't do it at all mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what if Yanis is out what their adjustments are going to be and we have obviously been criticizing my budenhos if he does manage to make the adjustments, then you know, fair play to him. But they'll that we'll wait to see that.
2: And it comes a little bit tricky, I suppose, in the off season. I think if they don't get through the Hawks, I think budenhos has gone. Uh, I I genuinely do think that I, because, I agree. You, know, you got Carlisle waiting in the wings. Um, maybe he's re- re- I'm not sure if he's retiring or whatever, or if he's looking to get back into it, but that's a really good coaches loom in sort of large over you. Uh, and there's other good coaches, obviously, that they can sort of pluck out. But, yeah, I think I think we've had enough evidence now that if he doesn't win this title, which they should do, I think, well, if Yanis is back, which we don't know at this stage. But even with Yannis there, I was thoroughly unimpressed with his coaching job so far. Indeed. Um, I don't want to spend
0: so much time berating Mike Budenholzer but um let's uh, let's move over to the uh, western conference finals where the phoenix suns are currently leading the uh clippers 3-2 um bit of a backs against the wall they could have closed it out but uh the clippers stuck in beat them beat them in the valley um i do want to ask one thing um i i saw that after that game in particular as well um Paul George dropped 41, 13 rebounds, six assists, three steals. Um, Had a very good game. But he then afterwards said that he is the most scrutinised player in the NBA. Um, One, do you think that's true? And two, do you think that that's fair if so?
1: Um, I don't know if he has the level of fame that some of the other players have for him to be the most scrutinised player in the NBA. But I will say when it comes to the playoffs specifically, he probably does have a good case over the last like two years, year. Would you not argue be, be that it was it was I would say brought upon last, by himself last year, it was pretty fair criticism, I'd say. Some people take it too far. I mean, you know, that is just the nature of social media. But to be fair to him, he has gone a long way to to disproving that reputation. This this playoffs has been absolutely fantastic. So
0: well, I would he say has, he has a case. All, he has, but then he also did miss two free throws to win the game. Yes, like, but if you uh, shoot eighty-seven percent or whatever it was in the regular season, but then can't close
1: out when it matters. I agree. He's had some moments like that, but if you weigh up the positives and negatives, this this playoffs it's far, far much more on the positives than the negatives.
0: Oh, cool. They wouldn't be where they are without him. In the yeah, moment. and that's that, what I mean. That's, and that, that's we're the strong with of God. it.
1: We're strong with we were very strong with our criticism last year, so you do have to praise him when he's doing well this year. And I think he has done very well. Yeah,
2: I would agree with the sentiment that he's probably again. I'd say the most scrutinized is LeBron, just because. Yeah, just from LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I'd say among people who you know really watch the NBA, like hardcore fans. Uh, I'd, I'd probably say he's up there. If he's not one, he's definitely the second. Yanis is probably pretty close. James Harden, yeah.
1: Westbrook. People probably like that. Yeah, as
2: well. yeah. But I think people put you know Westbrook down a little bit now. He's not of that caliber. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think one thing that interests me about Paul George, and I think we've all done it probably slightly, is that whereas someone say, and I don't, I'm not trying to uh, sort of pick on this player because I like Dame Lillard, but when, Whereas Dame Lillard, I think, gets linked or widely associated with his best moments, you know, his, his game or his series clinching three-pointers, you know, his really good games. I think Paul George maybe gets disproportionately linked to his really bad moments. Um, and, uh, yeah, so some part of that is brought upon himself. You know, his playoff P moniker is a self-designated nickname, which was just a truly, truly terrible move probably plays into that a little bit and people don't like the Clippers either and they don't like how he sort of bounced from you know from the Pacers to the Thunder oh, I'm going to stay over a couple of years now I'm, I'm off to the to the Clippers I think yeah that that left a s- sort of sour taste in people's mouths and it all leads into it but you've got to give the credit where credit is due now and I think people still struggle with it slightly they're just waiting for for the moment that he does something wrong and when he's just flat out carrying this team. Him and Reggie Jackson there's another player that I've criticised quite a lot. So, yeah, fair play. I think he's right to call out critics, really, when he's playing this well.
0: I mean, he is, but then at the same time, just keep your head down and just don't mm-hmm. ignore it, I think. That's probably a better way because then, let's say you go to a game seven and he misses two free throws in the last five seconds of that game. He looks... like an idiot for kind of talking up again before he's actually done anything. So um, he's obviously had a very good season. He's had a great playoffs to an extent and just keep it as that, ignore the rest. Like you Mm. you, rarely do you see, I mean, Kevin Durant's a different kind of guy in this kind of thing. He'll just go on Twitter against anybody, but (laughs) rarely do you see any of the superstars in that league. If they get called out for bricking or not playing well in the playoffs, I don't really mention it. or like yeah, not to the extent so
2: it is almost like a slight inferiority complex. Not I mean like I, I agree. Other guys wouldn't say that apart from KD, who's very hypersensitive. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that sentiment. But he's been a little bit chippy this entire series. I mean, he's been going out with Devin Booker, who's been going back at him. And you know, there's Pat Bev. It's been a pretty aggressive, hard fought series so far, and I think I mean, it just makes me wish that Kawhi Leonard was here um, because I think, I mean, I'm not sure that, I'm not certain that the Suns win this series, don't get me wrong, but I'd probably pip it in their favour. And if Kawhi was here, I think it'd be a really good, well, evenly matched series, and I think the Clippers would probably take it. Uh,
1: I I think the Clippers would take it if if Kawhi was here. I'm not sure I agree with it being evenly matched. Well, I don't
2: think, we can say what we want about, you know, having Kawhi and Paul George (laughs) I I don't think you get the Paul George that we're experiencing right now if Kawhi is still here. With Kawhi, yeah.
1: I agree. But at the same time, I would personally, and this is all opinion, obviously, so I can't prove what I'm saying. But I, I just think that that would the fact that it's 3-2 right now when it's just Paul George, I, I just think no way the Clippers lose this series with Kawhi. Well, no, not no way, but it'd be unlikely. I'll definitely favour the Clippers quite heavily.
0: With Kawhi, 100%. Yeah. I think yeah. if Kawhi's there, it's Clippers in six. But um, I just think it's a matter of time. I, I'd be quite surprised now if. Um, oh, so would I? I mean, look, they got like the they, not wrap this
1: out. They'd have to reel off three games in a row, which would be pretty incredible. But, you know, the Clippers have done all of the series with their backs against the wall at the moment. And And one thing I would say is Chris Paul hasn't been as good as I thought he'd be coming back. He's not been terrible, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't had the best games. So I think if Chris Paul plays to the level, and it's not all on Chris Paul, obviously, but if he plays to the level that he should be at, then the Suns should be able to wrap this up.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um so we're so we're both so we're all saying then Suns to go through and then at the minute we're kind of hawks. So Suns Hawks
1: Finals is what we're looking at now. I don't know. I'd not, have loved I'm to have seen fifty on that. The,
0: the odds really. on a Suns Hawks Finals yeah. must have been outrageous.
2: I mean, we talk about Asterixs with previous uh, previous championships, and I for a good long while they've been calling the the championship that the Lakers won last year the the Mickey Mouse Trophy due to the you now the coronavirus impact and all of that. Um, you could say it, you know, the season before as well when Kawhi won it with the Raptors, uh, you know, oh, KD went down injured, Clay went down injured, but they have won it after. This is the asterisk of all asteriskes. Yeah. Like, we'll look back on the season we'll be like, okay, so Jokic won the MVP. I mean, he's of that caliber, so don't get me wrong, but I think in a regular season, he doesn't win that, maybe. Um, and then now this, whoever's winning the championship here. Oh, is this? No, it won't. It wouldn't be the Bucks' first championship, but for the other three, I, I might be wrong, but I think this would be their first NBA championship. It's
1: not. It's not the Hawks. The Hawks have uh, won a championship when Bob Pettit was playing for them.
2: Okay, that was a good long while ago. In fairness, yes, it to was me. a very but... long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in any case, it'll be like this completely new franchise. <laughs> I can see any of these teams next year not like nowhere being nowhere near as good as well it's just very very strange um well, yeah. can you like sort of i mean not to the same extent but sort of like
0: what happened with the heat <laughs> yeah
2: yeah so they just
0: kind of i think they really pushed everything into that season and then it's bottom tailed if if one of them loses then they're going to be in yeah a serious, serious state of depression but it will be like a bit of a low for a long while um despite the fact that even though they'll be like thrilled to get to the nba finals just being that close and then failing is is the is the hardest part for her, i think mm. so um moving away from sort of the nba the nba playoffs i should say um one thing i did see that as a little bit of news that's come out i don't know if it's been 100% confirmed but i've seen that the lakers uh signing david Fizdale as an assistant coach um mm. it's a good hire because i think he's a I think he has quite a good knowledge of basketball. I think he's quite a good tactician. Obviously, his time in New York wasn't great, but I don't want to blame him for that at all because I remember that team there. Granted, it hasn't changed that much, but I think that obviously the fit just wasn't right. With stuff like this, how much of a, an influence do you think people like LeBron and AD have? Because I just didn't really ever... like The, the more I think of it like that, of... I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is when, these, when this is happening here, how much of an influence is LeBron and AD having on these backroom staff?
1: Um, I, think, I think LeBron's having a big influence. I think everything goes through. him. I mean, you look at, obviously, Fizdale's a good coach. Oh, I think he's a good coach. And it didn't work out in New York. But I still, I still think he's a good coach. But you look back at the history of him, and obviously he was, uh, he was part of that Miami Heat team. He was the assistant. Uh, who helped coach LeBron Jones? LeBron James. I said LeBron Jones and LeBron James. So <laughs> there is some history of LeBron there. So you would be surprised if he didn't have a say in it. But also, we should mention as well because it happened before the. Oh well, after the last podcast, this is happening because Jason Kidd has left the Lakers and he's now going to be uh, with the Mavs.
2: Mm. I think that's like a sort of interesting sort of bridge to another discussion because. Uh... Yeah, a couple coaching hires recently in the NBA. Um, I think one of the more noteworthy pieces of news outside these these conference finals that's been going on is like the Portland Trailblazers situation because they obviously got dusted by an undermanned Denver Nuggets team in in the first round, Mm -hmm. which I thought was was pretty poor because that, that Blazers' team is basically at full strength, whereas the Nuggets were heavily reliant on Jamal Murray in that two-man game with Jokic. Um, he wasn't there, obviously, and then you saw him against the Suns next game, uh, next series, sorry, completely finished four, four 4-0. I mean, I'm not saying I think they should have beaten them 4-0 in the first round, but they definitely should have got through. So, changes need to happen there. Um, Terry Stotts got the got the sack, and uh, there's been a bit of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A hoopla, or a <laughs> uproar or just like a general unrest in terms of the, the coaching hires mainly after after the court issues with you know there was they were linked with jason Kidd and then uh, have they hired chancey billups yet
1: um i confirmed. think it's meant to be i think it has confirmed yes but okay. it's like i don't know if it's official but Woger's definitely said it I yeah think.
2: yeah okay so there was a big uproar about that and then I think Dame sort of voiced his support for uh, for both of those guys and the fans weren't happy about it and such and it's actually taken a turn it's the first time I think I can even really remember that I have even entertained Dame maybe getting traded and I think a lot of people are starting to entertain it as well because I, I don't know about you guys but I thought that guy seemed so happy in that situation I mean, just being like, you know, the main man in Portland. I know mm. they're never gonna win a championship the way it is. Um, but he's like, you know, one of those few old school guys, loyal, wants to stay with the whole the team, the whole the whole shebang basically. Um but yeah, it made me start thinking about potential game trades really and where I think his his best places, his best landing spots would be obviously I think Philly is the one that calls out quite clearly to me. But I wouldn't trade him for Ben Simmons, (laughs) to be honest. And, you know, he's on the Supermax contract. It's going to be very, very difficult to get up to that number. But, um, yeah, I was just wondering if you you guys thought anything about the Dame situation.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think I've said interesting multiple times in this podcast. But as you say, Dame has always had the reputation and has been vocal many a times about staying with the franchise and. Rather, he'd rather build something here as in Portland than go elsewhere himself to chase. You know, if he wants to get a championship or wants to be in a better position to compete. And the, and the thing I'd say about that is when you're a player of the caliber of Dame Lillard, I think nearly everyone, not everyone, but nearly everyone is loyal, but there is a point at which they will change. And it does seem like it's starting to get closer and closer to that where he's looking, potentially looking and thinking, right, realistically, am I going to be able to win a championship with this franchise with the amount of time I have to to play in the NBA? Uh, and obviously, I'm not in Dave Miller's head and I don't want to speak on his behalf. But I'd say the answer to that question is, it's not looking particularly great at the moment. Um,
0: no, I think that. I mean, I'd be quite surprised if he does end up leaving. Um, also, just because of, uh, I know you've mentioned it as well. I can't really understand where he'd go. I don't see the value. Like, if 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 they obviously, if if the Portland Trailblazers lose Damian Lillard or in some cases I've seen that they've tried to almost force him out as a way of, if they're going to go in that direction, rebuild, they'll trade him, trade CJ. Um, If they do that every single time in this situation, the team that sells in this, in this case, loses out. I don't know what value they'd get Um. for him. Like the Sixers are one, the Knicks are one, the Pelicans are one. And I think that's about it realistically. And if you're trading with the Sixers, you're getting Ben Simmons and some picks and that's not Dame Lillard. So,
2: I, I disagree with the whole... I mean, it, it depends on the, the GM you have really in terms of how good a deal you get for those players because I can think of one situation, scenario where they blew it up and it went pretty damn well and that's the Thunder. I mean, I know they're not in the playoffs or anything right now, but I don't think they want to be. They've got tons and tons of picks. They've got a good young player in Shea Gilgis alexander They can just sort of, you know... Who's that uh, big guy that they got in the draft? Is like Poku. They can just sort of swing on these random draft picks, and like some of them are going to turn out good, some of them are going to, are going to turn out bad. But they're in a pretty damn good situation for the fact they had Russell Westbrook, Paul George, traded them both away, and they got pretty damn good assets for them. Mm.
0: But like, yeah. genuinely though, like thinking about it though, like what where's he going to go? Because if he does force his way out, if it's Lillard that does it as well. He's not Mm. going to do it and end up in New Orleans. Like, he's not going to do it, end up there. He's not going to do it and end up in, like, Sacramento. He's not going to do it in any of them. He's going to do it and go to a
1: major contender. And then this is the issue.
2: Mm. It is difficult. I
1: I mean, I will say, well, having said everything I said before, if you ask me now, is he going to leave? I would say no. I think the main thing that's probably going to happen is literally everyone at that Trailblazers franchise, apart from Dave Lillard, is going to be up for trade. Yeah. I I think McCollum's, they're they're definitely going to be fishing around looking for for, uh, trades that involve CJ. And I also think Nurkic is going to be up for uh, Mm. for trade as well.
2: Covington, probably. I mean, we all kind of raved about that when they acquired him in the summer, but... um... Maybe he's just not as good a player as we thought he was. We thought he was some lockdown defender, and he played well in the uh, playoffs last year, you know, makeshift five, but didn't do it for him, did he, really? Um, I mean, they've been crying out for, like, a scoring forward for about five years now, but they just can't get it with the way that team is made up. Um, so, yeah. I, I would like to see Ben Simmons with Dame Lillard.
1: Mm, but, so would I.
2: Uh, as George no, said, I lost, it would. wouldn't be worth I it. I, success, I don't think I I don't think
0: I mean, what? Would you mean it wouldn't be worth it
2: for the Sixers? I don't think I would take McCollum back for Simmons. Oh really. no, not
0: not McCollum. I thought you meant Dame then.
1: No, no, he, well, he said Dame and Simmons together, didn't he? So oh, yeah. and Dame's not getting traded, there is he?
0: Well, I mean, there's possibilities, but I think it would be one of the better packages they'd get. They'd get Simmons, they'd get Maxie, they'd get Shake Milton, they'd get a pick that I think Philly's next available ones in like 2027 after the Al Horford deal. So
1: mm.
0: it's going to be, and they'd probably get like uh, fireball or something like that as well in it. it Who's a nice defender? Like it will be one of the better packages out there for them, but it's still not dangerous. Definitely. But in this case, they all like I can't see a way in this trade scenario they win. Like it would be like the Rockets of Harden. It's that sort of situation.
2: You can't well, replace they- these sort of players well they just completely messed it up in fairness like the Harden yeah. one I think I think if you trade him for for Ben uh, I can't remember what they were holding out for now I think it was like Simmons they want Simmons and Fireball and Maxi. or Simmons,
1: Fireball, and Picks
2: yeah um, I think if you just have got Simmons and uh, Maxi for that deal instead of a Victor Alladipo, it who else did they even get? Victor Depot got like Kelly O'Linick. I mean that was just that was in fairness just really, really terrible GMing. And you know, mm. you will get that sometimes. Like I I agree the the degree of difficulty when trading superstars is higher, but I don't think it necessarily means you're like you're out of it, like you're getting significantly worse. I mean, they would get worse without Dane Ludden replacing them with Ben Simmons, but there's a bright future there if you build around Ben Simmons' strengths and maybe you can get a little bit better in a different scenario. I don't know. But right now, they're not going to win the championship. And if he starts itching for a move, there's not really much they can do, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's a superstar-driven league.
2: It is. I mean, you've still got probably about four or five years left on his Supermax contract, so he'll be there. But we've seen the impact of having a guy who just doesn't want to be on the team like James Harden earlier this season. It's just it's just not a good place to be, really. Um. Yeah, and it would sour his reputation, I think, slightly in that city, which would be unfortunate. I think if he does go, it won't be in a way that... <sighs> mm. I think
0: that they'll they'll somehow make it out that it isn't him, because I think for everything that he's done for them, even though he got paid, I, I, I can't see him then making him out to be the villain. Um, I definitely yeah. don't see him doing sort of Paul Zingas moves, where basically went into a room with them and went, trade me, I'm going to kick up a fuss. I don't see him doing that, so...
1: Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Know, that's, still, that's still hotly contested to this day. Of Paul Zinga's <laughs> situation, from what he says and what the Knicks
2: say, right? I'm pretty sure the Knicks fans are glad they traded Paul Zingas at this stage. Just well, yeah. be honest I, mean, I don't know if they I got Dennis Smith Jr. back, so it wasn't really that. <laughs> that yeah, but, that of a whole, but...
1: It's, its more the trajectory from that happening instead and then of just him. at that yeah. in isolation. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate.
1: I mean, the Mavs were the other
2: one that, that you know, they got a new coach and Jason Kidd who's, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to leave the off-the-court stuff aside to be honest because I just mm-hmm. don't think he's a very good basketball coach. Yeah, I think
1: um, I, yeah. I saw the conversations around Jason Kidd and a lot of people were saying it's more of a, oh, let's just bring him back. You know, he's a bit of a Mavs legend. Obviously, he wasn't at his best with the Mavs, but he won, he won a chip there. And so it's kind of like I'll bring the gang back together, sort of, sort of thing. Mm. Instead Either. of actually assessing who's the best coach for that team, maybe I don't know. It, 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 as I say, this is all opinions, and we won't know until we see it. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Carlisle thing was, you know, Carlisle himself
2: saying he would leave. Otherwise, I think he would probably still be there because I actually think he's a, a still a very good coach, and I don't think mm. they went out of the playoffs this year because. Because of the coaching issues, I think they had a worse team than than the Clippers did, and I think they built that team poorly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you'll get like like we said, there's a superstar driven league. If they don't fix that, you know, pretty soon, and give Luca a situation in which he can go further in the playoffs than first first round, he will be. He might be itching for a move, and so they have to sort that situation quickly. But I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't really rate that uh, Jason Kidd that much as a coach. I mean, I'm, all you have to say is the Bucks, uh had him for the season. They barely scratched making the playoffs next season, one seed. Um, went out in the second round, but that's, you know, that, that that's what it is. I just And it's weird because he's obviously got a very, very good elite basketball mind probably mm-hmm. up there in history. But it's just never really translated well into coaching. But we'll see. He's had a couple years under um, Frank Vogel at the Lakers, so maybe he's learned a little bit from that and can apply a
1: few more things. Yeah, and it's saw... interesting as well, sorry, just to say quickly because where, when that did happen and Jason Kidd was Frank Vogel's assistant, the main dialogue around it was, oh, Jason Kidd's just going to end up being the coach of the mm-hmm. Lakers, pretty quickly then, but then obviously you see what transpired and they won a chip and it seems like everyone at the Lakers organisation is pretty happy with Frank Vogel and now Jason Kidd's gone elsewhere.
0: I did see a, um, I think it was on a another podcast. I can't remember what it was called. It might have been called Victory Pod. Um, but they had Mark Cuban on and uh, they was talking about how, like they, they was asking him a few questions around sort of the, why did they go after Jason Kidd? And Mark Cuban basically said that he wants him to emulate what Steve Nash has done at the Nets. Um, I think it does help that Steve Nash has three top tier NBA players, whereas Jason Kidd's gonna have Luka Doncic and a man that's crippled for sixty games of the season. So, um, we'll wait and see. But if that's the kind of theory they want would show I mean, I mean, I think as everybody in the NBA knows, Mark Cuban is quite an aggressive um off season owner uh for for his team. He will go after pretty much any free agent that is available. He was has no hesitation in throwing the cash about. He has no hesitation about dipping into luxury tax if possible. So um, maybe the Mavs are one to look out for, because especially there'll be a few players... I don't think it's this one, the next free agency class. Bit mad. So... Um, the so Mavs don't
2: attract free agents. So.
0: They don't, but I think maybe it's a bit different with Luca. Mm.
2: And Maybe. I mean they got they always they always say this the Mavs are always try to make a big splash in free agency cuz we can all remember that infamous time where I think DeAndre Jordan said he was going to sign for the for the Mavs and I think he stayed with the Clippers or something and Mark Cuban was driving around LA searching for him wanting to to confront him and it's just like they always have to sort of appeal in nature you know the hot weather the uh the tax uh <laughs> <laughs> It's a definite factor. Um, um,
1: hot weather and tax. Miami's quite hot yeah. there.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then this time they've uh, got like a generational superstar as well to sort of go alongside that. Though they had Dirk Nowitzki for a long time, and I don't think they really put him with too many all stars. So that that's playing in the back of my mind a little bit, and it will be for Luca as well. So we'll just see how that one plays out, really.
0: Do you think Jason Kidd's gonna first order of business is gonna be shipping off Paul Zingas?
2: He won't have a choice in that, man. In fairness, I mean, he'll give what he's you know he'll have to work with what he's given. I think they'll be trying to ship Paul Zingas, but the value is very, very low at the minute. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of like what you said about Simmons last week. It's almost like you have to play a little bit back into form to even really try. Indeed. I mean,
0: that's kind of what I've got for the NBA this week.
2: Mm, same here.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that we could touch on, but I think we have touched on and previously and in this podcast is just the Ben Simmons situation and where he could go. But I think Look, unless unless you on. get Dame Lillard, I don't want
0: to be trading Ben Simmons. It's as simple as that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we spoke about it last podcast as well. So it, the,
0: the process has failed, but at the same time. I think you're quite deep now. And for what <laughs> well, you get back at him this rate, there's no point.
1: Yeah. I was talking about the last podcast. Wasn't that what he was called? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it, there's just, there. There,
0: there's just no point really in, in going there. I don't think, I think you just have to, he's not going to team Australia, probably because he's useless enough to get in the team now at the minute, but, um, <laughs> it, he does so much, so well, but it, it's just the mental. I, I can't bother to talk about that. I, I'm in a happy place. Football's coming home. I don't want to talk about Ben Simmons. <laughs>
1: yeah, That's well, me in that then. Case, I, in that case, I think that is just <laughs> yeah. about it. Predictions. A we'll, it. we'll finish. Quick finish. Predictions for the uh, Clippers Suns game. Oh, Suns!
0: Suns will win. Suns are they on tonight? And they?
1: Yes. 2 a.m.
0: they are. Because uh, America hates them. Two a.m. Yep. Two a.m. Yeah. Sun, Suns to to wrap that out uh, and in la uh so they went in win in six and then i'll have oh i'll I, I go on a limb and i'll say
1: hawks in seven all right i will uh i will say suns to to wrap it up as well i think sun's in six wouldn't shock me if the clubs win but uh sun's in six and just to go against what you said there i'll go bucks in seven Why not? I do. Janis uh, better be fit for, for one of those games, but uh, I'll just throw it out yeah. there. So Bucks in seven.
2: I really hope Janis is fit, and I'm going to go off the basis that he is fit. Um, if he is, I think that's a uh, that's a yeah a six game victory for for the the Bucks in that one. Um, but yeah, that's off the basis. Of Janis is fit, of course, and I think I'm going to zag. I think the Cliffers are raking the NBA finals. I've just got know. a sneaking yeah. suspicion. I've just got a sneaking suspicion. I think. Oh, I don't know.
1: And especially oh, with Zubac
2: now out. I mean, that's unfortunate he got an MC I'm not saying like that that's a good thing. But it's it's a slightly good thing that is gonna stop playing him now because he was absolutely he he was terrible. So Mm, oh, no, I just okay. got a sneaking suspicion. Cl- Clipper 2 Clippers are a dangerous force to be reckoned with. I sure? mean,
0: yeah, back backs against the wall. Clippers. Tyloo's been great, but I just Reggie can't see Jackson,
1: it. mate. Cr- you know Chris, what, Paul, actually, Chris
2: Paul being three one down and
0: doing it again. I can't see it happening. We well, barely got happening,
1: in <laughs> We've barely got much tylo but we didn't touch on Tyloo. And well, Tyloo, there was a stat I saw. I can't remember exactly what it was. I'll try to. I think it was in. Games where the in the playoffs where the other team could wrap up the series, he's 12 and one, I think. And in games where his team can wrap up the series, he's 10 and two. So, bat it's not just backs against the walls, Clippers backs against the wall or opportunity to win Ty Lou. He's yep. dangerous. He's seriously actually... massive props to him. He's been he's yeah. been fantastic. He's the opposite of
2: Bootenhouse, basically. He's made mm. apt. Uh, what's the word adjustments uh, right in time? And it's yeah. one of them series, basically.
0: Indeed. Well, we'll be back when we know the results. Um, and we will discuss everything sort of ahead of said NBA finals. Um, thank you very much for listening. Make sure you follow us on all our socials at Swingman Pod. Check out our website com. And yeah, we'll catch you in the next one. Enjoy the rest of the conference finals and we'll see you for the NBA finals. Ooh.